Well, it's here. We've been talking about it for two months, and uh, D-Day has arrived. Yes, we're spending a month looking at one of those subjects we don't like to talk about, designer sex. And uh, I just, I really hope that you have an open mind and an open heart this month, and that we can learn from each other and really grow in our understanding of this issue that is just so prevalent in the culture in which we live. Um, Before I get there, I do want to let you know we had a bulletin insert, yellow piece of paper. We have an awesome opportunity for you coming up on Wednesday evenings, beginning a week from Wednesday. Our friend Doug Maris will be back. Uh, He did walk through the Old Testament, and then he did walk through the New Testament, and he has written a program entitled Walk Through Revelation. Starts on the 17th. No charge whatsoever. If you don't know the book of Revelation like you think you should or like you would like to, this is a great remedy to that problem. October 17, 24, 31, no charge, 6.30 p.m. Well, this month we're looking at sex, and I want to give you the overview of the month. Today I'm going to expose what I believe are ten lies that Christ followers have bought. Maybe we haven't all bought all of the lies, but they're lies that are out there about sex, and they're, um, they're insidious in many ways. They're heinous in many ways, and they begin to really shape our hearts and our minds. Next week, we're going to talk about the topic of purity. Purity, are you kidding me? We live in a sex-crazed culture. There's no doubt about that. And our culture tells us anything and everything goes, but that is contrary to what the, the Word of God teaches, and we're going to look at that next week. Two weeks from today, I'm going to be tackling head-on the issue of homosexuality and same-sex marriage. And I'm going to tell you more in two weeks why that's kind of a part of this series. That really was the launching pad for this series in many ways. Um, I want to let you know I'm not a homophobe. I hope you're not a homophobe. We're, We're going to look honestly and openly at this issue. And again, what's God's Word say? We're not going to try to create things that aren't there but we're going to honestly and openly explore what God's Word has to say and how we as, as Christ followers should respond, what should be our answer. And then uh, don't worry, Dr. Ruth is not coming on October 28 to, to present that morning. Sex by the book. We're not going to look at what Dr. Ruth says or what other so-called experts have to say. We're going to look at the designer's plan. What did God design for sex, for man and woman, for marriage? So that's the overview. I would love your feedback. I've opened up the blog again. The blog address has been published in our uh, newsletter article and uh, my newsletter article. If you have feedback, I want to hear it. Big idea this morning is this. Christ followers have bought some lies. You have bought some lies. I have bought some lies. And they have shaped how we think about this issue. They've shaped how we behave in many ways. And and that's wrong. It's absolutely not what God wants for your life and for my life. So with that, I'm going to share a passage of Scripture as kind of a jumping off point, and then I'm diving right in. We've got a lot to get to in a short amount of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 12. You can find this on page 1131 in your pew Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, I'd encourage you to have it open. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to Christians in Corinth, maybe the most corrupt, perverse city in the first century world. A church that dealt with the issue of sex and sexual immorality probably more than any other first century uh, church and, and community did. Here's what he writes. He says, Everything's permissible for me, but not everything's beneficial. 
Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food. The stomach for food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee sexual immorality. If you underline in your Bible, I would underline verse 18. That's a jumping off verse in many ways. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Bottom line is this, don't buy the lie. So with that, let's dive in. We're going to do this quickly. Lie number one that is out there that Christ followers have bought is this. It's worse today than it was before. Now, some of you are looking at me kind of funny because you remember back to the 1950s. You remember back to the days of Ricky and Lucy and Barney flirting with his girlfriend on the phone, and you're like, Pastor Greg, are you serious? You really don't think it's worse today than it was in 1950? You could make that case in many ways. But here's the thing. We're not judging today. I'm not judging today compared to 1950. Go back and read through your Bible in 90 days. Some of you did that this summer. And you will find that it's really not that much different of a world. You go back into Bible times and you see in God's Word, bestiality, incest, adultery, fornication, You go to Corinth during the first century world and you would find pagan worship involving temple prostitutes. How's that for a twist? You go to church and a prostitute is waiting for you. It's pretty perverse in many ways. In Genesis 19, we see the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, the lineage of Jesus passes through Judah. Judah becomes famous. In Genesis chapter 38, because he went and connected with one of the town prostitutes who, oh, by the way, happened to be his daughter-in-law dressed up in disguise. One of the heroes of the faith. Judges 19, just an awful, awful account. What about King David, King Solomon? The two greatest kings in the history of the nation of Israel had pretty serious struggles sexually. The New Testament. Over and over and over again, the Apostle Paul and Peter and James remind us this is a huge issue. This is a huge problem. Things are worse today than before. I I don't think so. It's always been an issue. It's always been a challenge for people who follow Christ. Number two, lie number two. I'm free to do whatever I want with my body because it's my body. That really sounds very American, doesn't it? 
We live in the land of the free. I can do anything that I want to. And the Apostle Paul even addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What's he say? Everything is what? Permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Are we free? Do we have freedom in Christ? Yes, freedom to be healthy, freedom to benefit others, freedom to benefit your relationship to God. Our freedom is not a freedom to do whatever we want if you are a Christ follower. Now, when I was a youth minister, young people would come up and they would ask me this question. See if you've ever heard this one before. How far can I go and still be good with God? What's the line in the sand? Where do I have to stop? Can, can we hold hands? Can we kiss? Can we grope? Can we? Some of you are getting nervous. I'll stop right there. <laughs> Friends, that's the wrong question. The question isn't, how far can I go? The question is, what is beneficial? What is good? Paul says everything's permissible, but he says, I will not be mastered by anything. Jump down to verses 19 and 20 in our text. Let me read it for you one more time. I love this. The Apostle Paul says, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Moving on. Lie number three. My sex life is none of your business. Have you ever heard that one before? I have an assignment for you this week. However old you are, just listen. Spend some time this week in listening. And how many times you hear somebody say to somebody, maybe to you, maybe to others, that's none of your business. That's kind of become the American tag phrase in many ways. That's none of your business. And again, if you are a follower of Christ, au contraire. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Our culture today gives us very conflicting messages. In many ways, sex is public. It's out there. You can't watch the evening news without an erotic commercial coming on at times. You you can't flip through the television shows or the movies that that are on the satellite dish without finding unseemly behavior out there. It's awful in so many ways. It's very public. It's very in your face. But when it comes to your choice, when it comes to my choice, so many people, even Christ followers, have said, what I do is my decision. It's my choice, and you have no right whatsoever to say anything. Think, Think of it like this. Let's say that as a Christian, I know my best friend is committing adultery. I find out that my best friend is committing adultery. Do do I have the right to say anything? Now, some of you are nodding your head and saying yes, but let's be honest. Much of culture would say that's his choice or that's her choice. I can't impose my morality upon them. But think of the devastation that that choice could cause, not just in his life or her life, but with their spouse, with their family. What if they're a part of this body of believers? Think of the domino effect that could play out. And so I will say this. I think it's very much my business. It's very much your business if as Christ followers we're living blatantly outside of God's will. Lie number three, my sex life is none of your business. Lie number four, you'll find this lie Um, shared many times, the body is meant for sex, so I can have it. I should have it. Marriage or not. 
I've had younger people tell me I'm in the prime of my life. I'm not going to waste this time. And the concept is really simple. God designed it. God put it all in place. So why shouldn't we enjoy our bodies? Why shouldn't we enjoy that lifestyle? The Apostle Paul, interestingly enough, doesn't stop writing with chapter 6. He keeps writing, and he goes on in chapter 7, and he talks about the fact how he is single. What does he say in chapter 7? Does he say, it is awful, it is terrible, I can't believe the, the, the pain that I'm going through not being able to act out sexually. What's he say? I wish all of you could be like me. I wish all of you could experience the joy that I experience of only focusing on the Lord. The body is meant for sex, there's no doubt about that but only within the confines of marriage. I really hope you're here on October 28th. Really hope that you're here for sex by the book. Don't miss verse 13 of our text. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. It's meant for the Lord. Lie number five. How I dress doesn't matter. And right now, some of my female friends, you've got your defenses up a little bit, and you're kind of looking at me like, are you really going to go down that road? I'm really going to go down that road this morning. Because young ladies, and and middle-aged ladies, and older ladies, how you dress, it matters. It makes a difference. You can call me old school, you can call me old-fashioned. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2 said, as a command, I want women to dress modestly, not a suggestion, a command. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3 verse 3 says, don't get so caught up on your outward beauty, it's your inner beauty that makes a difference. My kids go to Mount Pulaski High School, and a little over a year ago, Miss Illinois came to Mount Pulaski High School. Do you remember that? And did, did, a, uh, did a, what do you call those? Um, I'm, I'm brain freezing right now. A presentation, that's not the word I'm looking for. What do you get when everybody gathers together? An assembly, that's the word I'm looking for. She did an assembly. and um, I was not there, but I've been told that she dressed um, very skimpily. She's a very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young lady. And that the 16 and 17 and 18-year-old boys, and the 14 and 15-year-olds for that matter, that are very hormonally challenged, were having a field day. Absolutely loving it. And if we brought them up today and said, what did you get out of Miss Illinois' lecture? They probably couldn't even tell you the topic that she talked about more than lightly. But she made an impact. I guarantee you that many of them, if they close their eyes right now, they'd get quite an image in their mind. And so I would just remind you, it does matter how we dress. Now, I don't want to be the dress police. I don't want to have a ruler and start measuring miniskirts or shorts or anything along those lines, blouses. I just want to encourage you, ladies, think before you dress. Think about the message that you're sending. Think about the atmosphere that you're creating. How you dress does matter. Number six, this is a lie, an insidious lie. Only certain people have problems with sex. And I guarantee you, I'm not beating up on my first service people. I love them. They're they're wonderful. But many of them I know were buying this lie as they came to church today. They're saying, he's just doing that for the kids. 
This sermon series is just for those young folks. Only certain people have problems with sex. And the reality is all peoples have problems with sex and and always have forever and ever. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mountain, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you've heard it said long ago, do not commit adultery. What did he say next? Did he say, so don't commit adultery. Don't commit adultery and you are good to go. Stay away from adultery and anything else goes. Did he say that? He didn't say that because that's how the Pharisees were living their lives. That's how the religious people of the day were justifying their bad behavior. Well, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't push it that far. Jesus said, you've heard it said long ago, do not commit adultery. But if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. And that tells me that first century religious people had a lust problem. And guess what, my friends, especially my male friends, we got a lust problem in 2012 as well. If as I'm sharing this message to you today, you're saying that's for somebody else, you're missing the boat, honestly. I share that gracefully. Never say, I would never. Never say, I couldn't be capable of. It's a real problem. And, and I didn't set this up well at the beginning, and I probably should have. We're partially to blame. I'm partially to blame. I had one of my favorite people in our church, I don't even know how old he is, he's probably 75, maybe 80, come up to me after Sunday school today. And uh, very thankful for the message, very complimentary. He says, the first time in all my years of going to church that I've heard a blunt to the point message on sex. And I said, well, good news, you're going to get three more this month. (laughs) Only certain people have problems with sex? No. It's a problem for everyone. Number seven, lie number seven. We are nothing more than the sum of our urges. Bottom line, we just can't help ourselves. And I don't want to get too graphic with you this morning, but have you ever seen animals when when it's kind of that time, it's mating time, and they really can't help themselves, can they? Honestly. I mean, you go to the zoo, and man, it's education time, right? You got the eight-year-old with you, and boy, you're going to see the lions real quick. Let's move right on out of there. They really can't help themselves. And somehow, we've been convinced that our children can't help themselves. 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds, or that middle-aged adults that find themselves not married, and maybe they were once married, that they just, they just can't help themselves. And we watch television shows like Desperate Housewives or the soap operas or whatever, and man, those people look like they just can't help themselves. Every week, it's something new. They just can't help themselves. And that's a lie. That is a blatant, false lie. I remember back in, I think it was 1995, we were challenging uh, the school where I served in the community as youth minister to really look seriously at abstinence education to go alongside sex education. And uh, you would not believe some of the responses that I received from Christians in the community. Get your head out of the sand. Kids are going to have sex. Why even bother? It'd just be a waste of an hour. And i got to tell you, I have more confidence in our young people than that. I have more confidence in you than that. But maybe we need encouragement for one another. 
Maybe when the urge comes our way, we need the freedom to be able to call a friend in Christ and say, Help! I'm in trouble! I'm about to have a train wreck in my life sexually. Help me! 2.30 in the morning, seven years ago, our telephone rang. And one of the guys that I went to Bible college with who was going through a real awful time in his life, his wife had left him for another man and he was down and he called and I won't give you the sore details, but he said, there's someone on her way to my apartment right now and she wants to have sex with me tonight and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. And he lived in Texas. And this probably isn't the greatest advice. I said, turn out all the lights in your apartment and don't answer your door. I didn't know what else to say, quite honestly. (laughs) But wouldn't it be great if we trusted and loved one another that if we found ourselves in that situation, we don't have to think about who am I going to call? Who am I going to turn to? We just have a laundry list of people that are available that will encourage us and will help us. Lie number eight. The best way to deal with sex is just to ignore it or just to deny it. And uh, I think this is what many of us grew up with in many ways. I think sometimes our well-meaning parents and youth ministers and youth sponsors, we we didn't have heart-to-heart talks. We didn't have graphic conversations. We didn't come to church on Sunday morning and get really uncomfortable when the preacher started talking about sex. And so we just ignored it or we just denied it. I want you to understand why we can't go down that road. Go back to verse 18 of our text. The Apostle Paul says, flee sexual immorality. And then he says, all other sins that a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. He's not saying that it's a worse sin. It's a more flagrant sin. Sin is sin. Sin brings separation from the Lord. But he's saying the consequences, the after effect, the linger is so much more painful. So we can't ignore it. We can't deny it. We have to take this seriously. Lie number nine. I've heard it uh, much of my life from well-meaning Christians. Unbiblical sexual behavior will make you feel lousy. It was 1985. I was about to be a junior, it was right before school started, and we had a little mini retreat at church, and one of my favorite people in my church, one of my youth sponsors, love him like a brother in the Lord, basically spent 30 minutes teaching on this topic right here. You mess around sexually, you're going to feel terrible. He talked a lot about guilt, and talked a lot about just how awful it would be, trying to scare us into not going down that road. And so several of us went to Arby's afterwards, and two of my good friends in the youth group, Christ followers, who were very sexually active, their comment to me on the way to Arby's to get a Jamocha shake was, boy, he doesn't know what he's talking about, because it's awesome. It's incredible. Maybe we need to give him a lesson. I mean, that was just kind of the idea in their mind. And I will tell you, if you behave in an unbiblical sexual manner. It will be enjoyable for a season. You will have pleasure for a season. You'll face guilt. Your conscience will attack you. You will create heartbreak that you won't just be able to get rid of in a five-minute time frame. But it's a lie to say that it will make you feel lousy. That's a lie. That's why marriage is so awesome when we live like God intended us to live. And then lie number 10, maybe the biggest lie of all, 
unbiblical sexual behavior has no consequences. Wouldn't it be cool? We do interviews here a lot. Uh, Scott was up today. We interviewed Carson last week. Wouldn't it be really cool to be able to interview King David after the whole Bathsheba thing? Just be able to sit down right there at that table and just be able to talk with him and just say, King, was it worth it? She's beautiful. She was a knockout. You saw her bathing. We know all of that, but, but was it worth it? I think I know what his answer would be. Not at all. Not a chance. He might start crying. I think he was probably weeping when he wrote Psalm 51 and talked about the pain of the sin and the pain of the consequences and the despair that he faced because of one moment of lust, one moment of flesh. One moment of living outside of God's will for his life. Well, I know for many of you, you're probably thinking, well, great. I needed to pick me up today. I wanted to come to church and be encouraged. And man, that's depressing. Man, that's discouraging. I'm down in the dumps. I've got good news for you if that's how you're feeling right now. And it's my bottom line for you this morning. It's a verse of Scripture, one of my favorite. It's kind of the, the key verse for this whole series it's 1 Thessalonians 4.3. The Apostle Paul simply says, it's God's will that you be sanctified. Sanctified is a big word that means holy. To try to live your life like God wants you to live it. He goes on, we don't have it on the screen, but he said it's God's will that you be sanctified, that you avoid sexual immorality. See, Paul realized what some people learn way too late in the game, that holiness and sexual immorality, they're opposites. They don't connect. They're not a positive pair. If this message has been hard for you, if this month is going to be hard for you, and you're thinking, do I, do I want to put myself through this? Do I, do I want to really hear about purity? Do I want my mistakes from my past? Maybe it's a mistake you're making right now in your present. Do I want to hear it driven home over and over and over again? Let me give you the good news this morning. The good news is that the grace of God is alive and well for those who have their lives all together and those who are moral disasters. The forgiveness that Jesus Christ brings because he went to the cross, it's real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not make-believe. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we will confess our sins to the Lord, he is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I've had a lot of people share with me the disasters that they've created because they've misbehaved sexually whether as a teenager or a college student or, or in their adult life. And for so many of them, their story isn't a depressing story. It's not a story they want to revisit, but it's a story of hope. It's a story of connecting with the grace of God and realizing once and for all the power that the forgiveness of Jesus Christ brings. And so today, or this, this week, or this month, I want to just throw to you, whoever you are, if you want to talk, if you've got a story to tell, if you're trying to work through something today, we're here for you. 
Myself, Ernie, Adam, Jim, Kent, the elders of this church, none of us have it all together. None of us have it all figured out. We're all sinners who fall short of perfection. That's just the gospel truth. And so I don't want anyone leaving here today saying, I failed. It's over. I'm destined for failure. Au contraire, there is hope for you. It's God's will that you be sanctified, that you be holy, that you be all God has called you to be. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. And thank you for our service. Um, Sometimes we get caught up on, on just technical difficulties or slides or things that maybe didn't flow like we wanted it to flow. And I think sometimes it's in moments like that that you are most powerful. That you are that you are most relevant for my life, for our lives. And so on this day that we've talked a lot about lies, insidious lies, deceptive lies, lies that hurt. Help us to not leave here today without realizing what what the truth is. The truth is that your son, Jesus Christ, brings hope, brings forgiveness. Your grace is available for each and every one of us. No matter how many mistakes we've made. No matter how awful our past may be. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for the hope that only he brings. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is invitation time as it is every Sunday here at First Christian Church. And if you're not a Christ follower, every Sunday we invite you to come and give your life to Christ. But I realize that most Sundays, uh, most of us are followers of Christ. And maybe you're a follower of Christ today and you're struggling. You're hurting. You want prayer. Our youth minister Adam is going to be in the back. He'd love to pray for you. I'm going to be up front. I'd love to pray for you. Ernie's coming up front as well. If there's something that that you're struggling with, something that you need, we're here for you as we stand together and Jim leads us in our song of commitment. This is my heart cry, though none go with me, the cross before me, the world behind me. This is my heart cry, though none go with me, the cross before me, the world behind me.
want to remind you that tonight, again, our youth groups, the junior high and high school will be at 4 o'clock, meet here at the church, and then the grade school will be 5.30 until 6.30, and that will be here at the church as well. And just remind you of those programs going on. Again, they're in your bulletin. Please check that. Won't you pray with me here today? God, thank you again for just being with us and caring for us so much. And Father, we thank you again that you are God and that you love us so very much. And Father, help us that we just might continue to give all that we have and all that we are to you. Father, we love you so much. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.